0: third sunday of the month uh we have the children join us because we feel it's important for our children to to be with us in worship and that ultimately is mom and dad's responsibility to train up our children and so we want them to see how you worship we want you to explain to them what what they heard this morning But I peeked into your class this morning or into your your large group. I saw you learning some things uh, that we're going to be talking about this morning. And so I have a little quiz to make sure you guys got it. So who can tell me the name of the person that baptized Jesus? Right here. John. Very good. Do you know what river did he baptize uh, Jesus in? Do you know that? That's okay. The Jordan. All right. So Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days, right? That how many days he went or was it 50, 40? Very good. So he went in the wilderness for four days. Who was the person that tempted Jesus in the wilderness? Yes. The devil. Very good. Nice job. Here we go. One last question. So, Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, he's baptized, and and God is preparing him for ministry. So, what are some ways that, that Jesus shows that he is from God? What is one way that Jesus showed that he came from God? He healed people. Very good. All right. Must be you guys are really listening. That's great to hear. You know, one more thing I'd like to do this morning. We have a friend that is going to be with us for the next several na- months. His name is Kanat. Kanat, would you just stand real quick? Could you welcome him? Kanat <laughs> is, a, is a young man from, from Kyrgyzstan who's going to be working with JC um, at the fiber mill, being trained to go back to, to Kyrgyzstan. To do wool over there. So, Kanat, it's good to have you here. Tonight, there's going to be a, a, uh, I think, a welcome party. Is that at JC's house? Yeah, so. Going over at 630. Not sure what's going to be going on. He might be spinning some wool or. I don't know, is that what you're going to be? Just some fun. So, um, he'll be with us. You know, last week. I think God did a really good work. Um, I think challenged me. I think challenged many of us. Uh, The thing that I want to encourage us in concerning last week is it feels sometimes I think we 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 love to be convicted and you've heard me say we have this addiction to conviction. But but when we're convicted it's more about us feeling guilty and beating ourselves up and then then leaving and and going home and and nothing about us changing. You know, in in the book of James, James says in in chapter 1, you know, don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at it, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, by doing this, he will be blessed for what he does. So I want to challenge you, you know, don't just walk out of here week after week being convicted, but, but do what God's word says to do. So if you made a commitment last week to be reading and, and to be in his word and, and to take time every day then do it. Spend time doing it, because that's the only way that that you're going to be changed. It's the only way you're going to draw near to God. And we're starting into the part of the story, and last week was the story of the birth of Christ, of the coming of the Messiah. This week we're we're entering into a time of Jesus' ministry. And as I look, and as you will look over the next several weeks over at the life of Christ and the way he lived his life and the way he did ministry, the thing that we find out is Jesus says some really, really hard things. Jesus says things that, that we really don't like to hear. You know, Jesus at one point in his ministry says, you're to leave your father and mother, brother and sister, Jesus says, if, if a man strikes you on the cheek, turn him the other also. You know, those, those are hard things. Those are things that we don't like to do. Jesus said, pick up your cross, come and follow me. If you're not willing to lose your life, then you're not my disciple. Those are really hard things. And that as, as we go through these next several weeks, I want you to, to think about those hard things. And I want you to be looking for those hard things that Jesus says. Because you see, following Jesus is hard. It comes at a cost. And I'm afraid too many of us are just following. Fans of Jesus. You know, Allie Lester uh, recommended a book when she did her testimony here a few weeks ago that I would recommend for all of you to read. It's called Not a Fan. Now, so many people in the church today are, are fans of Jesus. They like to watch Jesus. They like to cheer for Jesus. But, but, but they, they don't necessarily want to be followers and, and do the hard things that, that, he, that he tells us, that he commands us to do. So, are you willing to do the hard things that Jesus asks us to do? And today we see uh, Jesus saying something hard to a man named Nicodemus. If you would turn to me, with me to John chapter 3. And there in John chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus that, that you have to be born again. Now, that's a word in in Christianity, you know, probably if I would say, how many of you have been born again? A majority of you would raise your hand. And probably most of you have been born again. But what is the definition of what does it mean to be born again? You know, Barner Research does a lot of of research in the church. And and when they they want to um, interview Christians, born-again believers, they ask two questions. The first question they ask is, is, have you made a commitment to Jesus Christ? And is it still important to you today? If people answer yes, they say, well, do you believe that you are going to heaven when you die? And if they answer yes, you are considered a born-again Christian. If you go onto his website, there's a lot of really good research. And one of them that, that, that I read was, born-again Christians just as likely to divorce as non-Christians. And that article goes on, it says, born-again Christians are just as likely to, to engage in premarital sex, to, um, to to cheat on their taxes. And it gives this whole list of things that, that born-again Christians are just as likely to do as non-Christians. And so, so the conclusion has been that, that Christians are just as likely to, 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 um, to live the way the world does. As, it doesn't change our lifestyle. Now, that's the conclusion that many people come to as they look at Barna's research. That Christians don't live a very different life than non-Christians do. I believe the research shows something different. I believe the research shows that there are a lot of people in America who believe they are born again Christians because of what Barna says, and Barna does great research, don't get me wrong. But because you prayed a prayer, because you sign the card, you are a born again believer. And I believe a lot of people today are deceived. By the fact that because they prayed a prayer or or signed a card that that they're born again, and yet nothing about their lives has changed. And and here in John chapter three, I believe this is the uh, the heart of what Jesus is getting at. John chapter three, and this is you know Jesus has begun his ministries. He's starting to to to, to gain followers. People are listening to him and and hearing that that his teaching is something like unlike they've never heard before. He teaches with authority. He says things that no other religious leader has ever said. And there's this man named Nicodemus. Beginning at verse 1, he says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He had come to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform miracles, miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is what? Born again. Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying this. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus here begins to give us a clue of what it means to be born again. And so you ask yourself, well, well, what really does it mean to be born again? And I think if Jesus says that, that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again then I think this is an eternally important question for us to ask ourselves have I been born again and I think it's a critically important ask yourself that question have I been born again and again this goes way beyond an intellectual belief Even Nicodemus believed that Jesus was from God, and yet Jesus told him, "Nicodemus, you got to be born again." And our faith isn't based on a prayer and signing of a card. Your faith is based on the fact that that God, in His grace has totally captivated and transformed your life. Has he captivated you and transformed your life? Now, children, I want you to stay with me here because you need to understand this as well. This is for you. So what happens when you're born again? Now remember, Nicodemus, he is a really good guy. He's an upstanding citizen. He is very religious. I mean, he is one of the guys that teaches people about God. So he's a religious person. He goes to the temple. He gives his tithe. He does all of the right religious things. Some of you do all of the right religious things. You show up for church. You give in the offering. You get up and you sing songs. and you even lift your hands when Keith tells you to lift your hands. You are religious. And yet... Jesus said, You gotta be born again. What Jesus is doing here, and the beginning of the process of of being born again, is is that God reveals our need to be born again. Basically, what, what Jesus was telling Nicodemus is look, Nicodemus, your religion is useless if you don't understand your need. To be born again. If you don't understand your sinfulness, Nicodemus, you're not going to be born again. And so so it begins by us, by, by God revealing His need to us, that we have this need to be born again. We have to understand that this new birth is necessary to know God. In order for anybody in this sanctuary to spend eternity in heaven with God, you must be born again. It's not an option. It's not a good thought. It's the only way. And Nicodemus hears Jesus talking this way, and he is confused. And maybe you're sitting there, you're confused. And Nicodemus says, but how can a man, when he is old, be born again? I mean, surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Nicodemus is starting to understand, this is something I can't do on my own. It feels like Nicodemus begins to feel like this is something that is out of his control. That he can't do it under his own will. Nicodemus is right. He can't do it on his own. Later on in John chapter 6, Jesus will say this. He will say, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. So the the new birth is necessary for us to know God, but the new birth also is impossible without God. It is impossible for me to be born again without him drawing me. Because the Bible is very clear. You know, in in Genesis chapter 8, it says that every inclination of his heart, speaking of us, is evil from childhood. We're born into depravity. Romans says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, As for you, that's all of us, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Which you used to to live in when you followed the ways of the world. So before I am a follower of Christ... Before I am born again, I am spiritually dead. I do not have life. I am, I am morally evil. I am a slave to sin. I am a lover of darkness. That is my condition before I am born again. And, and this is the picture of us. Before we know Christ, we are spiritually dead. And it is impossible for a dead person to raise themselves. This is the point that Jesus is trying to make to Nicodemus. This isn't something that he can manufacture, that he can make up. That he can make happen. It has to happen from above. The spirit of God has to do this in our lives. Apart from our own work. Nicodemus is thinking to yourself. There's got to be something I can do. Because all of his life. His religion has been based on doing. Doing. And for some of you, all of your lives, your religion, your relationship with Jesus has been about doing. If I do certain things, if I get baptized, if I pray a prayer, if I show up for church. And your conversion, what you think has been a conversion, has been based on your work. And what you can do. And and, and in our Amish and Mennonite culture, this is huge. Some of you were baptized because you wanted to get married. Some of you were baptized because your parents told you you should be baptized. And you think that your baptism is what saved you. Because you did something. Jesus is telling Nicodemus there's nothing It's not what you've done. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and like Nicodemus, you're asking, well, what can I do? What am I supposed to do? I feel helpless because I can't do it on my own. That's what the new birth is all about. It's not about something that you can do. It's about coming to a point where you recognize your wretchedness and you recognize your inability to save yourself. And that it is only through Jesus that you can be born again until I realize the gravity of my sinful condition That by that gravity, I am outside of the kingdom. Until then, I cannot be born again. I have to understand my wretchedness. I have to understand my sinfulness. I have to understand that it is only through Jesus that I can be born again. It is only when the Father draws me and shows me that I can be born again. If you go down with me. To verse 14. Jesus tells Nicodemus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. So the son of man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him. May have eternal life. Now Nicodemus knew what Jesus was talking about. If you remember back when when the children of Israel were bitten by venomous snakes. And the only thing that would save their lives was if they looked upon Um, The the snake in the desert that Moses had lifted up. Jesus is saying. That everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Then he goes on and, and we're all familiar with these verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever. Believes. In him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. So you see, the born again, being born again is about us understanding our wretchedness and coming to a point where we fall on our faces before God and recognize, God, there is nothing I can do. I feel helpless in being separated from you. I want to be your child. Is then when Jesus comes in and transforms our lives. And as He transforms, as He comes in and, and indwells us, the moment we, we receive Him as Lord and Savior, He then begins to change our hearts. A part of being born again is that, is that, that God changes this thing that is within me that before has been dark and wretched. He begins to change it and to make it into, to, into what He desires for it to be. See, the reality is that the born-again experience is about about something that happens from the inside out. It's something that happens, begins to happen deep within your heart when you're desiring to have that that emptiness filled by Jesus. And you come to that point where you realize that, that He is the only thing that can fill that. Have you been there? Have you experienced that moment when you recognized your wretchedness and understood the answer to that wretchedness is Jesus and Jesus alone? Think about that. It's the most important question you'll ever ask yourself. God begins to change us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God. You see, when he begins to change you, the things of this world be- begin to come less and less attractive. The things of this world have less and less of a draw on us. And yet what what you often see, and Barna's research would would, would, um, agree with this, is is that so many people that say they're born again, nothing about them has changed. Their attraction to the world, their desires for the world, their desires for the things in the world does not change. And so if those things have not changed, have you been changed? No, you're right. Thank you. I don't know where that came from, but that was awesome. No, you have not been changed. That was not for me. That was from God. You see, when my heart is changed. The things of God become more and more attractive the desire to serve Him and to follow Him become more and more attractive because because He puts a new heart in you. He transforms your heart. He gives you new desires and and new longings and, and new loves and new affections. And I know this is a process. This is a journey that we are on. But but what, when I see people telling me that, that they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have asked Jesus into their heart, and yet nothing about their life changes, nothing about their desires changes. I have to question, has anything changed? Because, because I think Scripture is pretty clear that, that when, when Christ indwells us, we become a new creation. There, it's not this picture where we begin to begrudgingly do things. Oh, I got to go to church again this morning. Oh, I got to serve in children's ministry. Oh, I got to read my Bible today. When you are genuinely changed, you begin to have a hunger For his word, you begin to have a desire to fellowship and to worship with the body of Christ. And we want more of God, we want more of what he wants. And as I begin this journey with him, I believe that God becomes more and more and more attractive. And if fellowship with God and worship of God is not at all attractive to you. Then I wonder if you need to sit down and and do some alone time and ask the tough questions. Moms and dads, I think it's very, it's vitally important that you sit down with your children who have said that I asked Jesus into my heart. And I think you ask them the eternally important question. I think sometimes we think asking Jesus into our heart for our children, it's a cute it's a cute little thing that my child did. And, and, and in the midst of this cuteness, I'm afraid we give a false hope for their salvation. We have to sit down with our children, explain to them their wretchedness. Explain to them their need for a savior, their need to be born again. I worry. But as God, not only does He, he change our heart and, and and the things we long for, but, but we see we see God transforming our lives. As your life, is it continually being transformed? Because Jesus tells Nicodemus in in verse 21. He says, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So that it may be seen plainly that what he has been done has been done through God. So, So Jesus tells Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you come into the light and then the world will see plainly. Can the world see plainly that you are a follower of Christ? What about you is different in the place that you work or in the school that you go to or in the places that you shop? What about you is different? Because Jesus tells Nicodemus, people will see very plainly that you have been transformed. You see, at that moment that that he changes our heart, he transforms us for our eternal good so that we can begin to make right choices so that, so, that, so that we can come out of the darkness and into the light so we can begin to see what is good and what is not good so we can begin to see the things that will harm us and the things that will help us You see, when we're transformed, when our lives are transformed, it's not like God is this thing that's up here. We we put him on a shelf, and during the week, we go through our week, we do all our things, we're with our buddies, and and we're living life. And then on Sunday morning, we go back, we pull him off the shelf, put him under our arm, and we take him to church with us. That's not a transformed life. He goes with you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. People see him in you because you have been transformed. You have a new heart in you. You've been washed. I love this, these verses in Titus chapter 3. At one time, you two were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and, and, and pleasures. You lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating others. Is that a picture of your life now? Are you, do you do really foolish stuff day in and day out? Are you disobedient to God's word? Are you being deceived by the teachings of the world? Are you running after all kinds of passions and pleasures? Do you hate people and do people hate you? That's a picture of us before transformation. But then Titus 3, verse 4, it goes on. It says, But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of our righteousness or the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, changing our hearts, And the renewal of the Holy Spirit transformed lives. You see, when I am transformed, I live under the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwells me and enables me to live my life that way. Children, listen to me again. If you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ... Now, adults, I want you to listen too, but children, follow me here. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you made him Lord of your life, then in your school, people should see something different about you. They should see Jesus in you. They should see you treating the other children differently than everybody else does. Because the light has come into you. You've been washed and and as Titus says, you've been renewed by the Holy Spirit whom whom he poured out on us generously through Christ our Savior. So he transforms us for our eternal good. And the result is, is eternity in heaven with him. That's a result of, of being born again, eternity in heaven with him. And I fear sometimes that, that the only reason we want to be born again is because we want to get out of hell free card. We want to make sure that we're not going to hell. And I hear that. That's not what this is about. It's about understanding again your wretchedness and your need for Jesus, inviting him to come in and transform and change your heart so that you live a transformed life. And God transforms us also more than anything for his glory. You see that in verse 21, it says, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through who? Through God. You see, when I live a transformed life, when I live my life in such a way that reflects God, then then. He is glorified. And we live our lives to glorify him. My question to you this morning. Has God transformed your life? Is your life a picture of the glory of God at work? Are you? born again is a question we have to ask ourselves this morning and it's a hard question that jesus asks and and i think it's a hard question because jesus asked and because jesus said that you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again i think it's a question that we all need to revisit and ask ourselves have i been born again for those of us that have, for those of us that know that we have been born again, it's a time to rejoice and to remind ourselves of the incredible gift of Jesus Christ coming and washing us clean. Have you been have you been transformed? And this week, as you are reading, when you get to this passage, actually maybe be good if you just We take some time right now for you to ask yourself that question. Because it it is, again, it is an eternally important question because it will determine where you spend eternity. It's that simple. And so... In these few quiet moments that we have, and we're not going to do any music. Um, I just want us to be quiet and to ask ourselves that question. And you know you don't need a preacher to to lead you through the sinner's prayer because you see when 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 God enters into us. The Holy Spirit comes, and and the Holy Spirit is much more able to lead you in a prayer than I am in a prayer. It's just time to do an inventory. And if you know that you never had, you never made that commitment. You're, you're feeling conviction this morning. Your heart is racing. That's Jesus coming and saying. You can't do this on your own. You're, you're, you're spiritually bankrupt. There's nothing you can do on your own. Let me do it. So this morning, let Jesus do it. Father, in these quiet moments, I pray that your spirit would come and you would speak. To the hearts of people who have never experienced that cleansing that you showed Nicodemus. Jesus, I thank you for coming. I thank you for for convicting thank you for giving opportunity to people this morning that need opportunity and i pray that lord that 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 their hearts would be open and they would be be willing to receive what you give lord i pray this morning there would have been new birth new life that that has been given New life that has started. That you at this moment would be washing over, transforming hearts, cleansing and making new. Lord, we trust that you have transformed lives this morning for your glory. It's In Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says that anytime someone confesses Christ as Lord and Savior, there there is a a party that happens in heaven. The angels in heaven sing. And I'm praying that this morning, right now, the angels are singing because of a commitment that was made here this morning. Now The Bible also says that we are to repent and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. You see, our part in this is to believe. If you have believed this morning, believed on Jesus Christ as your Savior, the next step in your journey is to be baptized. I would love for you to talk to me. If you made a commitment this morning, I want you to come talk to me. I want you to fill out your commitment card and let me know that you have a desire to be baptized. Then on September the 22nd, we're going to baptize. Or at whatever date is available to you. But had someone request a baptism for September the 22nd. And we want you to be a part of that party. A part of that celebration.